take thou authority to preach the gospel. Indeed, I look upon all the world as my parish. I'm Paul Dixon, and we welcome you to Field Preachers Podcast. I have with me today Kathleen McShane, who is the senior pastor of Los Altos United Methodist Church in the San Francisco Bay Area, and her colleague, Karen Kellett, who is the director of congregational learning related to a new thing that is emerging out of Los Altos called the Changemaker Initiative, and also a Changemaker movement that we'll discover about. Karen and Kathy, welcome to Field Preachers. Thank you, Paul. It's good to be here with you. The Changemaker Initiative, we'll just start there, is a true reshaping of the ministry of Los Altos United Methodist Church. What is Changemaker? What's that about? Uh, Well, in general, a Changemaker is someone who feels compelled to take action to solve a social problem. They're often called social entrepreneurs. Uh, For us, though, change making is a bit more than that. Uh, Change makers are people called to put their faith into action, to follow the model of Jesus, who we see as the ultimate compassion-driven change maker. Um, In our program, change makers combine their personal gifts, their strengths, their experiences with their faith in order to bring healing to an area of brokenness in the world. And we've found that anyone can be a change maker, and a variety of people are drawn to this work for a variety of reasons. Um, people who are deeply involved in their churches and, and just see this as the next step in their faith journey, all the way to people who haven't even found a church home yet. Uh, anyone could be a change maker. And in the context of your church, to be a change maker, does it mean I'm signing on to some kind of a formation process, or what? What happens if I say I want to be a change maker? Uh, well, if you're formally going to be a change maker fellow, part of our our change maker fellowship program, then there is a commitment to go through an eight month um, curriculum and uh, work toward a social impact project, implementing a social impact project while also going through a spiritual formation program as well. Um, but again, we believe anybody's a change maker. So there are also people just in general that just say, I've got this great idea. What can I do with it? And so we try to support them. Yeah. You're really nurturing a broad spectrum of people in your congregation to, to sort of rethink who they are in the world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Kathy, is there a backstory? Um, What was going on in the context of ministry at Los Altos that started the church on this journey toward cultivating change makers? Yeah, that's there is a backstory, of course. Um, I have been the senior pastor here for a little over four years. And I was acquainted with change making before I got to this church. Um, because in my work doing administration at Pacific School of Religion, I'd gotten connected with Ashoka, which is a social entrepreneurship organization that has been sending uh, change makers or innovators for the common good out into the world for 40 years. And Ashoka is an altogether uh, secular organization. They have a network. They've started a network of change maker campuses, which is 
um, it's sort of an alternative accreditation process for colleges and universities that send their graduates out into the world to be change makers. And when I got to this church, I realized this congregation was full of people who live their professional and personal lives in a way where they are striving for themselves and for their children to make an impact, to live lives with meaning and impact in the world. They're also people of faith, and uh, but they weren't necessarily putting those two things together. And so when I saw who's here and what they really want for their lives, I started to wonder, why isn't there a network of changemaker churches or changemaker faith or spiritual communities the way there is a network of changemaker campuses? And so um, we partnered with Ashoka for a year and, and said, let this church be your pilot project to see what would it mean to develop a changemaker faith community. And we did that. Um, and, and it was uh, an enormously growthful experience. Um, so I, I want to go back a little bit and say what, some of the things I thought I saw here at this church. I, first of all, uh, what I said, the people who wanted that impact in their personal lives. But also, it seemed to me, at least here in Silicon Valley, we needed a new language for the gospel, that the traditional language of discipleship and what does it mean to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus didn't have the appeal in, in the common culture here. And I was looking for a new way to talk about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. And the other thing that I, that I saw here is, you know, we're part of the United Methodist Church, which means that the mission of the church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And that the assumption in that is that our personal transformation leads to social transformation. It's a good assumption, right? It, it, it's a good expectation, but we actually don't always know how to do that how to get from personal transformation to actual social transformation or what the link is between those two things. What social entrepreneurs know is how to make change in the world. In the church, we're deeply grounded in the stories of the gospel, the source of sustainable compassion. So what if we could put those two things together? Um, and wouldn't that make uh, a body um, and a movement of compassion-driven change makers in the way the world needs. So all of those things together is what led us to start this movement, what we called then the Change Maker Initiative here at this one local church. It seems to me that this could be a bit of a revolution. Going back to that definition that United Methodists have we about what we do, that we make disciples and we store them in a warehouse somewhere for the transformation of the world. If we ever want to transform anything, we've got a bunch of disciples. There's a disconnect in our mind, whether or not it was intended or not, that we were nurturing these people to, be, to have spiritual depth and to have a sensitivity, but there's not a connection between following Jesus that necessarily leads to transformation. We have, it's, a, it's a weak connection. And what I hear you all talking about is an understanding of discipleship where to be a disciple 
is to be a change maker. You're really connecting those two. That's absolutely right. I mean, it, it is love and faith in action is really what it what we think this being a change maker disciple means. For me, over these few years that we've been involved in this work, it has totally turned my concept of church upside down. I realize now that all these years I've been doing ministry, what we have essentially said to people is come to church, bring your time, your energy, your money, your resources, your passions, and trade all those things you had outside the church in for what we are going to do together as a church. I mean, we're asking people to, to take what their family commitments and their work commitments and all those things that have taken their time and energy and money before and to trade them in for what we can do as the church. This change-making concept turns that upside down. What it says instead to people is, what are you passionate about in the world? Right? What, how are you engaged in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, in your family, in the other places where you are already committed in the community? And how can the church help you do those things? Be the person you already are as someone who is rooted in your faith and thinking about them, those things, that work, that engagement, the way Jesus would think about it as a compassion-driven change maker. So for me, that's the real revolution in the church. It, it takes seriously the commitments of our lay people and says, those are the assets of the church those engagements that people already have in the community. The church doesn't have to start over to try and make those commitment, those connections in the community because our people have them already. And the best and happiest stories that we could imagine, I would suppose, in this kind of a ministry is not that we get someone so developed that they come to work on our staff or to lead an existing ministry within the church organization. We're really seeking to develop them for impact beyond the church organization there. Yes. That really is a revolution in the way that we, I mean, technically you would say, well, we've always done that, but I'm not seeing it in practice. So I'm, I'm loving this. Um, Karen, g- give us a couple ministries that have been cooked up in the last year or two um, as people have um, processed what it means to be a change maker. Sure. Um, first of all, Although every changemaker story is is very different, one thing they have in common is that they're all making an impact exactly where they are in their own communities, in their neighborhoods, uh, in their families, in their churches, their workplaces. Um, it's right where they are that this work is happening. Um, some take on huge social issues like um, gun safety and human trafficking and homelessness. And others will focus on more localized challenges. It just varies from change maker to change maker. Um, an example of someone taking on a huge social issue um, is a woman focusing on uh, youth homelessness. And these youth are largely LGBTQ, and um, her work with them has grown into a nonprofit now. It's called Seeds Outreach. And in meeting and getting to know these these youth even more, uh, she's 
been inspired to create a documentary called Voices Unheard to give these forgotten youth a voice and a way to be seen and heard. Um, an example of, of someone doing a project in their workplace is a young woman who, believe it or not, did our fellowship program during her final year of medical school. And wow. she, I know, and she developed a curriculum on the social determinants of health, something that she's very passionate about, but isn't taught very widely in medical schools at all. And now, based on her work, it's being taught at two very prominent uh, medical schools in our country right now. Um, and then one of our current fellows um, is taking on a local issue of intolerance and disconnection that she's um, observed in her local neighborhood park. And she plans to use the park itself to foster a neighboring movement of understanding and connection that she hopes will extend to the greater community as well. Um, so some projects are big and ongoing and maybe even end up as nonprofits and others have a smaller focus, um, maybe even a clear beginning and end. Um, but big or small, um, change makers are always compassionately and collaboratively building community and working toward the thriving of all. Well, change maker is a, a, a beautiful sort of translation of disciple for a for the age in which we live do i'm just curious if you ever talk about um call about god's call on life as a part of this development of people <laughs> you want me to take that one <laughs> um yeah we do um we uh we have a a piece of our curriculum where we do exactly that we talk about um first we start by looking at your individual gifts and passions and even your saboteurs and and then you're like, well, now I have all of these gifts and I recognize all this about myself. What am I supposed to do about it? And so then we, um, we look at calling and discernment and, you know, where am I being led? Uh, we talk about instead of being problem solvers, going out to fix something that's broken. Instead, we look at it as what piece of God's dream am I feeling called to become a part of, to come alongside people? and help to bring thriving and healing. Um, so it's, it's, a different, it's a different lens when you come at it through, through calling because God has this great dream for us all for thriving. And, and my work as a change maker is just to carve out a little piece of it that's just for me. If I live in the spiritual but not religious space, which a few of your neighbors might live in that space, this feels like it's an invitation that feels possible for me. It feels like it's a place where I could start in terms of being relevant to my possible concern that my life have meaning and mm -hmm. have legacy. In, in fact, um, in our first group of Changemaker Fellows, we, we specifically uh, engaged and invited into that process people who stood at the edge of the church, people who were not at all in the center of a congregation's life. For just that reason, Paul, because we thought this was a, an opportunity for them to sort of do their own translation of Christianity into what they what is value valuable to them in their own lives. And and we found uh, among those people, a, a different kind of engagement in the church afterward. 
Um, and so I think you're exactly right. This is a translation of the gospel for people who haven't been able to find that in the traditional language of the church. This reminds me of a story, if I could just share briefly, when I was working years ago with a a new church launch team in New York City. And we had a, a meeting one night and we were using strengths finders as just a kind of a way of sort of helping people understand kind of how they're wired. And really the point was to help our team kind of balance out, but they didn't understand what we were doing going into that meeting. And they invited their friends, who, who, their friends who weren't church people. They just thought this was a retreat to kind of find out what you want to do with your life. And it just really hit me how the invitation to come to a church gathering to really be equipped to figure out what am I doing on this planet and not to be indoctrinated in a list of um, dogma, but to figure out who am I and how am I wired and how am I passionate and how, how can I be an effective member of the human community? It was just like, whoa, there's, there's, there is great interest in this, even among folks who don't necessarily wonder where they're going to be going to church next weekend. Because isn't that what we're all looking for? Right? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, Lilly Foundation decided to invest a considerable sum with you, and they get lots of pitches from lots of places, and they chose this one. And I think that it, for the second part of that, they even came back to you um, to, to make the initiative. What, what do you believe that Lilly saw in this that captured their attention? Well, um, so that comes in two parts. Our, our proposal to Lilly is part of one of its grant competitions um, about their topic was thriving congregations. How do we help congregations thrive? And uh, they had a model for that, a very detailed request for proposals that started with conceiving of a project at a congregational level and then in buying, engaging buy-in in the congregation. And we went straight at that theory and said, no, we don't think actually that is how, uh, how congregations have to thrive. And our theory of change is that you start with lay people and that if you empower and enliven lay people in the way they live their lives in the world, that that in turn will enliven a congregation and, and help it to thrive again. Lily generously allowed us to pursue this theory. And so with this $1 million grant from Lily over these five years, uh, we are experimenting with that. And, and that's kind of our working hypothesis. We are in year one of that, uh, of that grant period. And we have a cohort of churches from all over the country, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, um, and uh, all over because, because COVID allowed us, required us to do this by Zoom, um, they're experimenting with. And we're just getting ready to start a second cohort in 2022 of other congregations who are interested in becoming change maker churches. So to see if that, if we're right, that, um, that lay people can change the culture of their congregations. And you're also right that Lily has come back to us and invited us to apply for a second grant in which we will apply these principles with a cohort of churches that we gather uh, to think about um, 
what does ministry with young adults ages 23 to 29 look like? Um, we asked Lily, we said, so why us? And, and what they said to us is because we, they, they like working with us because we have demonstrated a willingness to innovate and to experiment at this church. And, uh, and in change maker churches, we're trying to cultivate the same kind of innovative and risky um, kind of practice that Lily thinks will change the landscape of religious communities around the country. Our tagline for this work is risk something big for something good. And, uh, and that seems to be what Lily is inviting us and other churches to do. It, well, you know, it's a long ways from the strategy of singing seven stanzas of just as I am in order to um, inspire um, spiritual energy in people. You're, it's a very different strategy for a different time and space. And it just sounds really interesting and really compelling um, as I think about people that are secular, people that are that are less than fully engaged with the way we do um, organized faith community in many places in America, that this would be really, really um, intriguing to them and it would feel relevant to them. Um, what are you learning? What, what are you rethinking um, in your church or in, or just in, you know, in your work because of this work? In our church, uh, we're rethinking Everything basically. I um, Karen said earlier, every change maker fellow has a project. Um, for me, as a pastor, my change maker project is changing the culture of this congregation to be a change maker church, to be um, to to risk things and to experiment and to always be open to something new. And so we're now in year three of our change maker experiment at this church. And we're asking things like questions like, okay, if you're not, for people who are not going to go out and create some new nonprofit or start something new, what does it look like to be a change maker? What does it look like to be a change maker in your eighties and nineties? What does it look like for children to be change makers? What if families were the unit of change making in the community? What what does a change maker family look like? We are uh, so we are trying to do every aspect of our work at the church as a change maker church, um, and that and it really is it, it is in our it's in the water we swim in now at this church. Um, so that's, I, and I will, I'll just say for me personally, I'm getting ready to retire next year. And um, I am longing to be a change maker in my community as, as a person who, who doesn't have a ready made community that I lead like a church. Mm-hmm. Um as just like our change maker fellows do. So I'm thinking about what would it look like to create community around a dining room table in my home once a week? Right? Um, and to, to start something new in a small way, just like our change maker fellows do. Yeah. Karen, what are you rethinking? 
Oh, what am I rethinking? Um, I, I have personal answers to that. And I have answers as the director of learning <laughs> to, to that question. Um, I think, uh, I, but they're related in the sense that once you, once I, once I realize when you start doing personal discovery and you overlay spiritual formation and you bring in your concerns for the world, once those things start getting connected, you don't ever want them to not be connected anymore. And, and one informs the other. And um, so now it's really hard for me to even imagine how those things were separate for me in the past. And I was one of those people. I was a first year fellow at this church. And I was one of those people that, that had everything separate that Kathy was talking about that, that are the best candidates for fellows. And now look at me, I'm, I'm, you know, responsible for the curriculum for this program. Um, I had to learn it all. And, and then it's just become such a part of who I am now um, that, yeah. I could see this really being, um, different, but also really interesting as a as something to engage in at different life stages. I could see mm-hmm. the person in their twenties. Obviously, I think we could we can see the 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 compelling pieces. I can see the person whose kids are gaining independence and they're beginning to have some space to think about something other than where the kids are, and maybe in their late forties. And I can certainly see early retirees with with health to <laughs> health and space. I could see them going nuts over this. Yeah. Well, Um, you say that, and um, that's when I came to it. When Kathy started the initiative at this church, I was um, retiring from teaching and thinking, what's next? And we found that, that people are really drawn to this who are maybe, uh, I won't, they're either at some life juncture, maybe there's been some trauma or just some loss or they're faced with uh, with something that's um, changing their life for whatever reason. And you're right, that comes at all different ages and stages of life. But uh, that's what got me. <laughs> um, one of the things that I think makes this such an impactful experience for people is that they, the project that they're doing um, it becomes the vehicle for their for their that holds their transform transformational process for them personally. There are moments in every project we've watched where somebody says, "Oh, I've lost my way. I can't find it. Like, what was I thinking? And how does my project need to change now?" And and, and so people have to really work hard at this. Right? It's a that that change maker fellowship is strenuous in a way that we don't often ask people uh, to do in the church. They work hard at something and they, and they do it together in a cohort. And that is very much like the transformational process that people have on a, on an intense mission trip or something else where they really have to engage deeply in the work in front of them. Um, and that, that experience really carries them into seeing themselves and seeing their faith in a different, in a different light than they had before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And their world. Mm-hmm. Our listeners are going to be really curious to learn more about Changemaker 
both at the, in terms of, of what it's how it's impacting and transforming um, your congregation in Los Altos, but also about how now you're beginning to work um, more broadly with other churches um, as they're working specifically with young adults. Um, how can we learn more about this work? Uh, well, as Kathy said, we are in the process right now of recruiting our next cohort of changemaker churches. And information for that, how to apply, or just general information is on our website, uh, thechangemakerinitiative.org. It's the best way to get in touch. We can, you can reach us that way. I want to thank you both for taking time to um, share with us a little bit about this exciting twist in the road as we are discovering, as you're discovering, a new way, maybe an old way, of really thinking about Christian discipleship in the 21st century. This is Paul Nixon. This is the Field Preachers Podcast. I am here with Kathy McShane and Karen Kellett, and they're helping us rethink discipleship. We thank you for joining us today, and we hope that we have inspired your imagination, and we look forward to hearing from you. Field Preachers Podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.